Welcome to another brand new episode of Front End Happy Hour. This is episode 46, and we'll be talking about security from a front end engineer's perspective. Let's go around the table and give brief introductions of today's panelists. Stacy, you want to start it off? Sure. I'm Stacy London. I'm a front end engineer at Atlassian. Jim Young, senior software engineer at Netflix. Derek Showers, senior software engineer at LinkedIn. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a software engineering manager at Netflix. In each episode of the Front End App PR podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the podcast, we will all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Vulnerability. Vulnerability. <laughs> if anyone says the word vulnerability, we will all take a drink. All right, let's get started. I figured a good start is like, what are some typical security issues you've come across in your careers as a front end engineer? Cross-site scripting. I mean, that's sort of like... Scripting. That's always the one that goes, like, yeah. biggest one that goes to my head, too. Uh, cross-site scripting, SQL injection is a common one. Third-party libraries. Mm. I've definitely run security holes with that often. Yeah, or even things like, when I think of the third-party libraries of not just, like, frameworks or JavaScript libraries, but even pixels for tracking definitely worry me all the time like marketing's like hey we want to put all these pixels on their pages and you don't really know what they are and they they are actually pulling data from your pages and so it's you got to be aware of what's there and there could be some security holes bots for submitting forms like over and over and over yeah, yeah that, that can be frustrating, frustrating too probably the biggest security issue is like as a front engineer is that front engineers don't take security issues seriously like we just don't consider that in our domain generally like i don't i don't think i've ever been to a conference or heard a talk about from someone who does UI about security, mm -mm. like no. ever. No, it's typically more on the server than yeah. effort. Like I've definitely been to a conference that's like JavaScript heavy, but they're talking about it from a node server or something that's security oriented at that point. But there is a lot of things that front end actually has to think about. So, you know, like the cross-side scripting, that's on us. Or yeah, HTTPS. I mean, that's not necessarily on us, but if, if you're like consulting and like doing freelance and you're building a site for some company, it probably is on you to be like, hey, yeah. you should probably put this under SSL. Exactly, yeah. And even, yeah, yeah making those recommendations and understanding what, what the benefit is. Cookies, we deal with cookies a lot. Yeah. I feel like there's a ton of holes in cookies. Well, if done properly, they can be done really well, but I've seen some pretty weird shit over, my, <laughs> over the years. Maybe even things that I've done. <laughs> I've also seen uh, in databases, I think someone, Jem, you'd mentioned MySQL injections. I've also even seen databases where I, I joined this one company and there was some software that the company had made where the site was actually saving to a database, which is MySQL database, but they were saving passwords just in plain text. And I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's a, a simple, simple thing, thing to avoid. <laughs> but yes, that's what they were doing. They weren't encrypting it at all. Not even on the database side. It was just plain text. I'm like, great. Gem's password is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's Done. like no excuse for that. It's yeah. just... I've seen a, there's like a lot of bad password storage. What's like SHA-1, people are like, oh, SHA-1 encode the password. It's not encoding, like it's like just a way of hashing. And they're like, oh no, I'll just SHA-1 it five times that way. It's like, that's, that must be more, more secure at that point. Yeah. <laughs> it's just unbelievable that people do these things in 2017 still. Hashtag Equifax. Oh, <laughs> that's a whole other rant. Like, I, I don't want to start maybe a, maybe a brief explanation for the listeners of what that is. Okay, yeah, Equifax. Yeah, uh, there so, was some sort of vulnerability, right? Oh, cheers! Cheers! Oh, oh nice. <laughs> I don't actually remember the exact uh, problem with the site. 
I think I think the best a best way to explain it is go watch John Oliver from a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I think that's how I knew about it. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we kind of hit on too, like what are the responsibilities of front end engineers? And typically, we feel doesn't seem to be that there is a lot of responsibility, but is should it be or or should we be focusing more on it like what do you all think of that i think there's just there's layers and you're just the more layers you put the the more secure something is and granted yeah you can put some layers in the front end and people can like turn off javascript so some of the things that you put in place don't matter if you like try and prevent you know uh, for sql injection you prevent certain characters from being submitted and people are like well you can just get around that by turning off you know the validation but one more layer can't hurt and it's it's i think beneficial to add that kind of stuff i do too and like there again i hope your server is doing that as well so like if you have a back-end team but you might be full stack and you're dealing with it why not deal with it on the client and the server it's just like try and prevent it at all ends it also makes the user experience better too Mm -hmm. right like they're going to see that feedback on the client and not wait for a server to submit at like if it is a form typically that's where we probably see a lot of errors is on the form and that's what makes me think of that I think a common mistake that we make um, is that, especially like with freelance stuff, that it, it won't happen to me because you know I'm just it's just this small website that no one cares about or this server that no one knows about. But actually, uh, I'll give Jem a plug here in his his DevOps uh, classes. Oh. <laughs> I remember you, bring, you mentioning something about this, but like just setting up a, a new cloud server or something and just watch you know the amount of times that the root uh, the root account gets hit. Like, and it's just like some random server, you know. But there's like constantly people just because it's not about like maybe it's not maybe you don't have to worry about somebody like hacking into your blog and stealing whatever you know. Like it's, maybe it's not that big of a deal. But the, then what can what what if somebody takes control of, of of a server or something? What they can then do with that is is there's just I think there's lots of downstream issues that you don't even think about and a lot of people just overlook as it doesn't really matter I don't care if my server gets hacked but there's other things that can happen and you probably know better better than me what those things are well I mean even if it was that you were creating a web app that people log into I think anytime you do that is we all know that there's people that are really guilty for creating that one password with that one email account. yeah that too yeah. and so you might not have that much secure data on your side that could be vulnerable, but that email and password, if someone was able to obtain that, it could be their like Apple ID, it could be, you know, some banking information, like who knows? And that's kind of sucks on that user for using that same password, but it happens. So I think I think that lays on a little bit on us to really at least think about ways that we can prevent security vulnerabilities. Cheers. 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 <laughs> I think the common one is that uh, people think if, oh, if I've been hacked, I'll know it pretty quick. Like, for some reason, they think that'll correspond in the UI. Like, the server will be down <laughs> and things like that. But as in, like, fact hacks or Target or many of the data breaches, like, they were hacked for months. Mm-hmm. And they just didn't know. And, like, they didn't, had, they didn't quote, unquote, know. They didn't know. Well, they, they sold their stock. They did sell their stock. They sold their stock three days after they found out. But, like, people don't know, and that's the dangerous part, because at that point, you can do whatever you want. Like, if I want to serve up some malicious JavaScript, I can do that. Like, I can make the hack go from, like, just one server to, like, millions and millions of people very, very easily. And that's, like, fairly common. Like, oh, we have been hacked. Like, the server's still up and running. I was like, of course it's up and running. You're not going to, like, hack somebody take down. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you want like, to stay. Yeah, yeah you want to stay. Oh, so I, I've, I've went over for UI. This is for all UI people. What's the responsibility on the front end that we make sure people have, like, good, strong passwords? Because, like, this is a total total rant on my part, but I hate when they're like, your password needs to have one upper space, one lowercase. Like, 
three words in it and all these things like it doesn't make you any more secure like forcing people to do passwords i completely agree i think it's just it actually hurts the user in the end i I don't think it's that great of an experience for them well yeah and most implementations are terrible they they don't properly explain what the combination of things that you need to do so then you end up like not being able to create a password for like seven attempts and then you're like just want to flip the table and (laughs) and you've left like i'm sorry i've bounced i'm like all right screw you i'm like on to the next yeah like i forget just the i forget what site it was i wish i could remember because this is like a great way to shame them but uh but anyway i was i was signing up for something and creating a new and i use a password manager so it's always random and um and it's like you know the most it has i mean not to your point i guess it doesn't really matter but like you know it's just like there's no way that this password is is doesn't meet any sort of standards but it's just like this password is the strength this password is not strong enough i'm like what do you mean it's like 26 characters oh, it's, it's like it's like it's like, like you know every <laughs> single combination like, of characters uppercase lowercase <laughs> numbers <laughs> like <laughs> symbols but then i'll we'll, we'll tell you why i'm like okay this is great and also i even hate on the flip side i hate the ones that like try and prevent you from having 26 characters they're like no only 8 to 10 characters max or whatever whatever it is with only so many symbols. I'm like, hey, well, that's not fair either because I use one password as well. And that generates a nice password for me. And and this is just a side rant, but also I think as a front end thing, I mean, make it as easy as possible for your users to use things like 1Password and LastPass or whatever password manager. Like it is annoying, especially on apps where you can't like you, so, like sometimes you can't even paste the password and then it's just like oh, yeah. it, like to copy that password. One thing I actually have found amazing is on Android, one password is almost integrated in everything. Like it's in the OS. I just noticed this a little while ago. Actually, Ryan Anklum showed it to me too. And it's in a bunch of apps. Like one password just shows up in once you hit into the field. And that to me has been a savior. Like if I want to log into a bunch of applications when you're setting up your phone, it's so nice. One password, set that one up first, and then the rest, you're golden. LastPass, the same way. Yeah. Like iOS, I, I'm not familiar. iOS does not you have can't, that. You can't draw over app. You can, but the app has to add the SDK for it. Yeah. And so oh. that, which is great. I love that when the apps do that. But this one is like way better. Which is, by the way, I did it for LinkedIn Learning. It's yeah. like two hours of work. It is it's not very much. easy. So. But I think there's there's also trade-offs there too is, I mean, that's another library that you're adding to your application. No, not, it's not a library actually. No? It's built into right. the OS. Yeah. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. All right, then that, I'll leave my words on that. <laughs> it is nice because you're you're you know there are just apps that aren't going to ever support it because mm-hmm. they're never going to make it a priority and or they right. don't and know so that the, it's only two I hours like, of work i would love ios to do it so they actually have okay not that this turns into an apple versus android but they hey. they, <laughs> they <laughs> I love it. ios 11 <laughs> did add a shared keychain so like as long as you yes, so you can yeah. now um so it's actually built in it's not through one password and it doesn't really help me because i don't use um safari yeah. um, for that type yeah. of thing but it, it at least is in, yeah, we, in their Apple kind of way, <laughs> we've done we've done some work even at Netflix with the keychain, but yeah, it's just not the same as One Password and LastPass. Yeah. yeah, and people not properly labeling their form fields so that like LastPass and Autofill. Can't oh yeah, it. I've run of that many. You know what? That's actually that. a good one for people too on the front end is like really li- using the proper labels and names for your input fields. Like yeah. that's yeah. huge. Or or not having. Or I know that there was like sort of that security pattern of putting a username on one screen. And then yeah. password on a second screen. Yeah. Um, 
there's I'm trying to think it's Wells Fargo. I can't for whatever reason the one password thing. I mean, it does not just does not work with their authentication, and it, it probably has to do with like naming of the fields properly, and then some of that is like splitting apart things from one screen to another, and like is that a, you know is that more secure? Is that more of a myth? Just like the idea of having. Yeah, I think it all comes down to just thinking about it. I don't like, think it's more secure. That's I don't think that's it trying to happen. I think it's a usability thing of people seeing one field and then seeing another. It simplifies things. I, I don't think it's supposed to be easier or I've always more heard secure. It as like a security thing. To really, like, I've never even heard that. That if you can't get the right username, then you could never get to actually entering the password. Because it's also typically done. If you look at it, it's usually done client side. Yeah, it's like hiding one field and then showing the next. I think people at least have. I don't know if it is or not, but uh, people are under the assumption that it is more secure because I feel like it only is on banks um, or financial institutions. Like Chase does it, but it's actually a page refresh from. So then that one's not client side. That one's actually happening. But I think to I think to your point is like you also have to think about okay, so maybe you have maybe there is extra security there, but like you also have to think about then the people that aren't gonna use password managers for that site because you know, so I think there's just so many things at play that that is really important for you to speak up as a UI engineer that that probably like API engineers and backend people are not going to necessarily think about. So I think this is actually really good. good no, I think it definitely is. It's like worrying about the input. So another thing that I'm, I'm interested in talking about is sometimes like error messages. Sometimes I've heard from security people that telling a user that, hey, your username is wrong or your password is wrong might be actually a security hole and that you should just deliver a uh, obscure message saying something went wrong. How do you each of you feel about that? Like, is that just something that we perceive as a security issue or is it really a security hole? I just don't know. I mean, that's the thing, like I, from a user experience, like from your thing about the UI and making the best experience for the user, letting them know which thing is wrong is better for them because they get to log in faster. They know the thing that they messed up or like giving them the option to show the password that they typed to like see it like, oh, I did mistype my password. I can see it now, like show the actual characters. Um, so there's little things like that that make all of that much better. As to whether it is less secure or not, I actually don't know. Like I have no, I have no, I haven't like researched that to see if there's studies or security papers that have been published that say like yes, absolutely, like you'll get hacked faster. My my flip side of that is if someone is trying to like force force um, getting into your site through a UI, and they're getting back or even like through an API that's giving back a message that's similar to what the front end is doing then there's like backend things that should be in place to stop brute force attacks. Like, so like, even if they know that the username is wrong, but the password is correct, that, or like the reverse, the, yeah. the username's correct, the password's wrong. If they're getting that feedback and they make six requests to try and continually, you know, that same account, then there should be like a, a backend process in place that stops that repetitive thing. Oh, totally. You could like, you can give the UI like a nice hint of saying yeah. that there's, you know, maybe once or twice show that it's, oh, it's the username that's wrong or it's the password that's wrong. And then after like a bunch of brute force attacks, that's usually what happens is it's like multiple times is you just limit that. And it is just a generic something went wrong. Yeah. So make make the user experience better, make it nicer, give them the feedback right away and then make sure that you have back end stuff. Right. Because like five or six times, usually that's not a user error. That's probably something malicious that's happening. Yep. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's kind of like splitting hairs at that point. Like you, and then I think it takes somebody that is really passionate on the on the side of UX or or you. Maybe it's a maybe it can be a 
somebody, a designer or UX uh, person too, like it doesn't have to necessarily be, but somebody just passionate about the user experience and is able to like intelligently speak. That's why I think it is important for some people to be really security focused. Um, and yeah, I think like, like you guys are saying, like, I think it's, there's, there's much, there's much, much more that you can do with like limiting requests and, and like that kind of stuff on the back end. Um, and I don't think these little things are, are, should impact the user experience. I know for me, like I, there's often like, I'm not trying to hack into an account. I'm just trying to get into my account and I can't remember what email address I used or something. So like, you know, it's really helpful to have those, those hints and yeah, no, I think it's like exactly what you said is going back to the user experience is so important. Don't hurt your users just because of a security issue. Like think about it as like ways that you can still have a great user experience and help the user and then fall back to this seems malicious. We'll, we'll prevent this and, and maybe not be as helpful. I, I think you can tell the difference between a user and someone who's being malicious. Yeah. The other thing you can probably probably will help with this kind of thing if, if this is an issue where wherever you're working um, or whatever you're building is testing around like I mean I think you have to have a balance of of obviously of security which is important but then have a, a balance of users that will just drop off um, and because they, they just give up so like I think you can put a lot of testing around that too um, uh, totally. or tracking and stuff yeah. and, and just to see where that if that's happening yeah even things like the uh, show password I don't I don't like it as default just in case but I've seen a lot of sites and yeah. uh, applications they'll have the like show password and I like that because it's like yeah what if I'm just screwing up the UI is like hey here's your password in plain text did you screw up on your password and at least I can see that when it's just like dot 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 I have no idea and so I think little things like that are helpful to the user you could argue that in like a if I'm in a public space and that's like broad and or Especially on mobile, I think that's really yeah. important because you yeah. don't know. It's like you're not using a real keyboard, so it's yeah. hard to know if you mistype something. I mistype all the time. Autocorrect is a bitch. Dude. And it doesn't so. help for passwords. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Unless your password, if auto, uh, if uh, autocorrect helps your password, then you probably are not. Yeah. Using Change the right your password. password. <laughs> <laughs> Did you mean duck? <laughs> You typed password without an O. Do you mean ducking? That's not a word. <laughs> what security mistakes have you made in the past? I, I'd be interested to know. I know I've made some, some and totally have learned from them, but I'm interested to know each of you. I think mine have probably been whenever, I'm probably still making whenever I throw up some sort of WordPress site because I feel like there's like everyone's trying to hack into WordPress sites. Yeah. So like, yep. you know, not changing the the path for the admin um, dashboard or whatever. What is it? Slash Slash WP admin, WP admin, yeah. or letting uh, PHP my admin uh, <laughs> visible. From but do you think it's okay? That that's a good point on the WP admin on WordPress sites. Is it something that you do have to hide? If you hide it, it's still people know and can find it. Yeah, I just feel like it's it's easier for bots or whatever just to like they just have to look for that, and then if they don't find it, they'll give up because at that point maybe unless they really if they really want to hack your your True. site then you're yeah, just making it a little it, more obscure at that point yeah so. i think because I, I don't know i would assume there's bots out there that are just like looking at every domain and just slash and slash go slash wp, WP admin yeah i've never Let's actually do done that so <laughs> attention uh, hackers i have not done that i my <laughs> personal like, blog <laughs> <laughs> uh, i don't know i mean honestly uh, so i use um like uh what was it it was like a vagrant uh, or um like 
setup that kind of like did all the structure for you, but then it also changed that around. So I forget. It's been a long while since I've done any WordPress stuff. I, I, same here. And I have done that in the past. And I was just wondering if there was an easier way. I just did like a grep search and replace WP admin. Like it's re- referenced a lot in the code, but you can change it and then change your directory structure. Yeah, maybe this is a, maybe this is something WordPress should make a little bit easier. It's Unless not it's not easy. really that much of an issue. Like you you're know saying what? That but there again, <laughs> it could also be when was the last time you touched WordPress? It's been a while for me, so maybe that's in a newer version for us. But I think like we're, I think there's, there's WordPress is still pretty heavily used. Oh, it by, definitely is. Yeah. But I mean, is like maybe this is a feature. I yeah, have no yeah, idea. Yeah, maybe well, I, see what <laughs> I know one issue that I always laugh at that uh, I did. It was years ago. I was building a web app just on the side. It was something that I was building for fun. And so my one friend who is a security engineer was like, "Yeah, throw it at me. I'll, I'll take a look at it and, and try and find holes." Well, he actually found a really basic hole, which was great. You know, definitely shared that with me. I forgot in my form, there again, forms, I was allowing people to insert JavaScript in the form. I wasn't removing any of those characters that would be very bad to be able to input in these uh Um, forms and it was saving to a database so that was a problem too in the sense it was like user generated content and so people could submit through this form and so he found this like right away obviously it's pretty easy to find and he sent me it back he sent me the site link with his profile or whatever he had manipulated with this form and it redirects to a porn site and i'm like oh shit you know what it was one of those times where i learned very quickly that's what can happen and so i've never made that mistake again it was like it's a simple thing that it's just like you know not allowing javascript characters making sure that they can't submit into a form it's pretty easy but if you make that mistake can be kind of shitty so i learned really quickly would you say that you learned about a vulnerability at that point? <laughs> I definitely learned about a vulnerability. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Twice. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have a form on my site that I know is probably unsecure because I get so much spam from it every day. <laughs> and I'm just too lazy to go yeah. through and add like CAPTCHA to it or something. Yeah, what do you guys think about CAPTCHA? I was going to ask. It's the worst. <laughs> it's gotten better. It's getting better. Oh, is it? Okay. I don't know. Like the whole like I'm not I like Stacy's face. It's like, look mm, like that. Better. I don't know. I don't know. Like it Which used of to these be... 17 pictures has a street sign in Well, it. yeah. <laughs> but they're trying to be smart about it now. You can even do like invisible ca- or I think that well, I not I know you can do like invisible CAPTCHA so like it'll only show that if it I don't know what they, I don't know how they determine that you're a bot because I guess sometimes we are bots in their eyes, but if you're getting those pictures. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's a lot of ways that you can tell if something's a bot though too, but it's not perfect. Well, it's definitely not perfect if we're getting challenged by, so. Yeah, no, exactly. I I actually like the honeypot method for the forums. It's like a hidden field to the user, but not to the bot. And if they fill it out, if the bot fills it out, then it's it doesn't submit i like that idea that's a little bit better because to speak to your point is captcha is not user-friendly tip it's gotten better i will admit but it's not a user-friendly thing so yeah yeah it's just uh i mean the advantage of captcha is that somebody else is thinking about it for you so if you implement it then you don't have to necessarily worry about all the like whereas the, the honeypot approach it's easy but yet the problem is bots and and hackers and whatever are always getting smarter. Yeah. So yeah. like you know they'll figure that kind of stuff out, and then it's kind of up to you to figure out the alternative. 
like at some point are we just like doomed because i feel like <laughs> i honestly feel like anytime you do something there's always a way to break in yeah like there really is it's just so like you're chasing job security this. and security engineers <laughs> we'll just, yeah. we'll just require facial recognition <laughs> upon form submission oh just man like. <laughs> uh, it's really funny is some of the mistakes like we we're talking about that is like i've made mistakes you know developing and, and introducing security holes but the trello that is a perfect example if we use trello like we use it at netflix uh and super helpful to track projects and everything like that if you make accidentally make that trello board public that could be really detrimental google docs if they're public you could be totally sharing stuff about your company that should not be public and i think even little things like that are a security hole that I've seen people make mistakes and just you have to almost like be aware of that and just be careful that you're not sharing it publicly and it is a little more locked down to at least the company level. Yeah, I think that's like the UX concerns we were talking about before. Totally. Like, yeah. like make sure that your design makes it very clear that the thing that you're you know working on right now is private or public. Oh, I like that. Like, so that it's like very clear to the UI or something that's yeah. like, this is public, it's cool, or no, it shouldn't be. Yeah. Like one of the things we just recently did with the, the Bitbucket um, yeah. new design is that um, it, it was in the backlog, but it was just wasn't one of the things that was like on the top of the backlog was to, to show that there was a lock on your repository to say that like this is a private repository versus a public one. Um, and we eventually got to it, but like it wasn't, it wasn't on the top of the list, but people are like... I don't know. I'm, I'm nervous now, like working yeah. on this thing. Do, is it really private? I don't know. So like that kind of stuff really makes a big reassurance difference. to the user and yeah. making sure and then like they feel more at ease. Yeah, I like that. And they don't make a mistake of like putting something that. Yeah, I think also, I mean, so I, I guess I'm saying this coming from, well, you, you're a pretty big company too, but like LinkedIn and now Microsoft is, is very aware of this issue. Um, so we have, uh, I mean, I think sometimes it's frustrating because um, when you want to use a tool like Trello or, or Evernote or something, it's, you know, if it's not approved by security, you really shouldn't use it. But the advantage of that is they're thinking about those kind of things. So they'll actually fight that battle with some of those companies that, you know, if they don't have the lock icon or if it's not clear what you're like, they're, they're, they'll be like kind of like the 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 strong arming them into like sure. getting that implemented so that it will work and then there's incentive because now there's like this huge client that's going to buy your product and oh yeah i've definitely seen that a lot of larger companies and at least those companies like evernote or you want that company yeah. x to use your software and so you're like okay yeah cool we can yeah. implement that so that it's better user experience and that you guys will use that that's more money for that company so it is good and hopefully that benefits the smaller companies that may not have that sway of saying hey we want yeah, this yeah, lock exactly. icon yeah yeah in terms of mistakes i was just thinking about that a lot like since you asked that like what personal mistakes have you made and i think i've just been very fortunate that i have worked at fairly large companies for the most part and they've always had either security engineers that were hired full-time to do that um, back-end engineers are really good, and they and they also understood yeah. those things. Um, so for me, it wasn't necessarily like, like I make a, made a mistake, but maybe that I didn't always think about it um, in terms of like how could I make the UX better so that um, we know that the security is taken care of, but I could do something. I could be more of a voice for the user. Like maybe that was my mistake. Like um, you know, I'd worked for a financial institution, and there was like pretty. I don't know, the login process was kind of gross and like not very user friendly. And they had, uh, you know, like the security questions, like answer five sentence long questions about something. And 
is that actually more secure? Probably not. More user experience? Yes. Did I advocate for it? Not so much because I was like, well, I'm not a security engineer. They've told us we need that. Yeah. yeah. So I think my mistake would be like not um, maybe reading up a little bit more about it to knowing knowing which things really are actually additional security and then being an advocate for the UX. I think actually I was going to make a point when you first started talking and it is like it's just fed right into the point I want to make is that you don't have to be I think this is like anything you don't have to be an expert in order to speak up because even if you speak up and you're wrong then you learn more and it's the same I think it's the same thing that is true with accessibility it's the same thing that's true with like a lot of these like things that you don't always think about like right away but because you're kind of like intimidated sometimes in yeah. a way I know I am like it's like I'm not uh, you know I'm not a, an accessibility expert so I'm not going to like I'm not going to do not go say this because you know they probably know better than I do. And I think the same thing's true with the security, and the same For thing's sure. true with a lot of things. But um, like I think just just speaking up and 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 having that argument. If you're wrong, like I said, like if you're wrong, then you learn. And yeah. you know, That's hey, really you could get point. redirected to a porn site. I learned very very fast. You know, it's like it's okay to make a mistake. It's you're going to learn from it. So I think so. I need to go to RyanBurgess.com. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it wasn't my personal site. Okay. Uh, it was front end web. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was so long ago. I don't now we're going to give people happens. ideas. Yeah. It's like, shit. We should probably check front end happy hour. <laughs> Frontendhappyhour.com slash wp admin. Yeah, uh, might might be there. I don't know. There's also backendhappyhour.com. Yeah, yeah, that could be very vulnerable. There's a lot. There's a lot of different happy hours. Cheers, Cheers vulnerable. <laughs> This episode's super freaking me out. I'm going to have to like go back and like figure out some stuff with I know, my WordPress like every, site immediately. Every, every site that you have out there, you're like, oh my God, do I need to change this? When should we actually be thinking about uh, security while we're working on a project? I mean, from the beginning. Yeah. It, it, it's not something you should do after the fact. Like, don't release your site, not HTTPS, and then have a form on it with that ask someone for a password like right do it first always yeah https it's like, almost easier to do it first in that case too is like sometimes actually moving to https is not that easy once you've already got like a bunch of code out there yeah there again though should you always be https yeah i mean i think so i think that's like the one of those big debates in front end like yeah like I have a, I have my personal blog is not, yeah, and I feel bad about it because there's like a bunch of talk recently, like everybody, every site should be HTTPS no matter what, and I'm like, but it's not secure content. I don't ask anybody for a password. I'm not asking yeah. for any information. Like, does it matter? I, but you're I like, question it a bit too. Like, I mean, front end happier is not HTTPS. Should it be? There's like, we're not inputting anything. It's just you know data that people can click on. I think for me, it's like, why not? Like I it, mean, that's true. It's, it's, I think, I guess the, the answer to that question is there are, people say it's so easy and I actually have a pick about like, uh, about this because there is a, there's something that's, that makes it really easy, but um, there's a bunch of things that make it really easy. But I mean, for the most part, it's pretty easy. I think though there could be some work by like hosting companies, like even like DigitalOcean, for instance, which I, I love DigitalOcean. Yeah. Um, you know, they have all these like quick setups, like for WordPress and for, and or you can do just your own without any setup, but they don't have anything for HTTPS yet, you know, like, and I think that there could be some, and I think it's, gotten, it'll easier, get there, it's but, gotten easier over the years. Yeah. I will say that it's yeah. like, 
I mean, years ago, it was actually a lot of work. And it was expensive. And it, yeah. uh, now it's free. It too, is, it was expensive. Yeah. I think that was the problem. But it's still not easy. Like, yeah. I, and hopefully your pick will help at the end. But I mean, for, for me, I started looking into like Let's Encrypt yeah. and some yeah. of these ones that were like free. But like to do it on my on my particular site meant I had to like every 90 days do something on my, myself. Oh yeah, I have a pick that'll help you. Yeah. So it, I gave up because I was just like, ugh. Yeah. Like I don't, I'm not. I don't I have don't, every 90 days to do that. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I don't want to do that. It's I don't have anything that's secure. I don't need to secure anything. Like, so if there was a barrier that was like just a little bit too much where I was like, Bleh. so a really good, a, a really good uh, kind of tangent here is uh, Netlify. Have you heard of Netlify? I've heard of them. They, they do like um, basically, I think I picked it. Um, that's why I didn't pick it this time, but they, they do basically like the uh, automated deployment for you. Um, but they have one button. You click the one button and it does everything to install a certificate on, on this server because it's hosted by them. Oh, uh, so you have you to can move do, like, your do a custom domain. Yeah. Well, oh, that's still pretty awesome. It's basically, it's just auto. It's, just, uh, it's like um, Heroku for front end code. Yeah. So like you just push it and it push it to master and it automatically deploys. But like I wish more 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 would do that kind of thing or just one click and you're you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. I think any hosting company that's gonna like help you automate that. Yeah. Is gonna they'll they'll start to pick up business. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you don't make it easy, like. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think like. Yeah, even if you're not sending any like, per like I guess it's like where do you draw the line of what's personal? Like you're sitting in a coffee shop on a public Wi-Fi and you're surfing the web. Like, is is it personal to some people that they're on frontendhappyhire dot com and Maybe. like looking at you know they're like embarrassed? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know I'd be embarrassed. <laughs> I liked what Stacy said of that we we should be looking at it right away. I think also testing. I, I think. Even before QA looks at it, it's like we should be testing our own code. Think about those vulnerabilities. Cheers. Cheers. That there's a lot of them. Those are things that you should just test in your own code. Like it's a really quick thing to do. And you don't have a security team yelling at you later. And if you don't have a security team, well, then you really should be doing this. Yeah, if you don't have someone, yeah, if you don't have security engineers or you have like um, a backend team and maybe they're not aware of like right. the things that need to be accounted for test for it right away. And that's what you can do is you can be an advocate for it. Even if you're not the expert at it, you can be like, hey, uh, we should make sure that we can't inject, you know, SQL stuff like yeah. in the back end. And maybe maybe the back end team doesn't know that. I mean, hopefully they do. But it, if someone brings it up, that's just better for everybody. Everyone should be an advocate for it. And, and I think speaking to how we started the episode, we're like, oh, it does kind of seem like front end has typically not really con been super concerned on security. I think it it is important. It's like we should all be thinking about it and even more from the user experience of like being an advocate for, yes, we should be secure, but like also let's not hurt the user experience. Mm -hmm. What are some tips for our listeners that would help improve security in their work? So one one thing that came up for me a while back when, when Node and NPM and all that was fairly new, um, we started to try and or, you know push the company to use, to use modules for development. But it was a financial institution, and they were, like, really wary about that. They're like, what do you mean we're going to pull down all this code from, like, some place? Like, how do we know that's secure? I don't understand. So um, one thing I think you could you could be an advocate for, like, if, if you're getting that kind of pushback, is you could say, well, we can host our own. Like, there's NPM private repositories. And so if we're really concerned about the security of, of such things, we can um, you can have full control over that security and host that kind of thing yourself. 
Um, I don't know if that's, maybe that's like a known thing and no one, it's like, duh, why even say that? But I think. No, I think it's educating your company though, for yeah. sure. Is like, hey, no, no, we can actually move our own mm -hmm. MPM packages and actually have our private repo for that. Yeah. Um, and also there's security packages too that will check other scan. packages and scan them for vulnerabilities. Cheers. Yep. <laughs> I think another thing that always sticks up in my mind, I mentioned cookies before. Oh, yeah. One thing is just really think about it and like limit the amount of sensitive information stored in a cookie. Make it pretty generic. Don't store a password in a cookie. Make sure it's encrypted. If there are, you know, if you are storing some password or sensitive data, make sure it's encrypted. I think that's should be a given, but it's not always necessarily that because I've seen holes before. Yeah, I guess the only thing I have to add is like, um, I think it's important to do your research. Like, I guess this is kind of the opposite side of what, what we're all saying. It's just like, there are some things, I think there are some products out there and some services out there that are very secure and like everyone just kind of like, especially working, I, I guess I struggle from this working for a big company sometimes. It's like, every, you just kind of write, write that off immediately. Cause it's like, oh, we don't want to depend on this other service to, and I mean, we're moving to this world of call it cloud computing or whatever term you want to use. I know some people don't like that word, but like, uh, I mean, we're, we're moving to that type of world that, that I think, you know, it's, you don't always have to reinvent the wheel just because you feel like there could be security issues. Like do your research. And I think that, you know, sometimes you'll find that there, that, that, that service or that product is actually thinking about security in that situation more than you could in your own implementation, you know? So, yeah, I think like, trying to roll your own is sometimes scary and like yeah. there are definitely companies out there that make these kind of authentication products that you can integrate with your your site that spend their full-time jobs yeah, their whole company is based yeah. on like them being successful at security so um research them obviously and make sure that that's not they're not opening up some other additional security thing but they might be able to like do it better and you can pay for that service and yeah i think a lot oftentimes it. like at least in my experience oftentimes you'll go to a, a third-party company or, or something that first something you want to implement and they'll say we need this piece of data and then right away like your security team i guess this comes back to me working in a big company right away oh, no, totally. and 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 i've worked for a lot of big companies so it's not just about the company i work for currently but like that right away people are like oh no no we can't do that like that's we can't send that but like listen to them you know like they, they've clearly have have other clients and other companies that are utilizing their services you know, yeah. so. um, another thing I think we could do is front-end devs for like improving security in, in your work is from an ethical side of things to think about ethics and security so like if your product manager and the product as a whole is like hey I think we should you know collect this kind of information from a person um, I guess be really attuned to that and say like, do we really need that information from someone? Is that gonna really benefit the product? And like, could that put that person in danger? I think there's there's certain things about like, I don't know, location. Like, oh, w let's track that person's location wherever they are. Do and you need that? Do does you really it, need it, that? And does it improve their user experience? Yeah. yeah. It's like that PII. Personal like identifiable information. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's like, do you really need that? Yeah. And should you be aware of that? And they're like, it could be like, yeah, we're, oh, we just thought that'd be interesting to collect that data. And you're like, right. but does it make the product better? But also- Are you going like, to use that data to inform decisions? Not really. All right, cool. Then don't do that. Yeah. And, and just always think about it in terms of like, you know, are we collecting information that could be used in a, in a malicious way to like hurt somebody or, or track them or, yep. or do something that's not really related to the product. 
this may be a different conversation altogether that we can talk about in a future episode, but um, also explain like in the, in the UX, explain, explain what, what you're doing with that data and like, not don't just, you know, I hate that the, the apps are, are even now on websites, you get this notification from Chrome, like, you know, this, this site is, is requesting your location. Like, yeah. But you don't have any idea why. Yeah. <laughs> like no, you can kind of make guesses. You <laughs> say like, I'm getting your location because there's a map present that's going to show all of our store yeah, locations. And, and I mean, I know to be fair, you're just, you're just calling a, an API that says, I want to call location and you know, that the, yeah. the browser is showing, but you still can do things in the UX that like you, you show something before that shows and yep. then you, you, you know, click a button and then, then you get that message. You can share some additional context before or actually making that request. Yeah. yeah. No, I like that idea. That's actually really good idea is just making the user feel a little more secure in the sense that, okay, now I know why they're asking me. I can accept or decline, not just accept or decline for some weird request. Mm-hmm. Another one I, I'd earlier I'd mentioned was uh, like third-party tracking or for like marketing uh, material. One thing that I've found very useful, I've done it at a few companies. Actually, I think Netflix was doing it before I even joined, but putting those tracking pixels in a iframe and making sure that it's very sandboxed, uh, which that is amazing what an iframe can do is it can really sandbox any of that kind of data to one little spot. You can add it to the bottom of the page so it's not blocking any of your rendering. There's a lot of really cool things that you can do. And usually I'm like, I don't use iframes very often. And I'm like, this is a great use case for an iframe. <laughs> yeah. And you can control what data is sent down to those pixels, which is amazing. Um, I think that's one to me is like, do that. If you have pixels and tracking on your site, put it in a iframe, you can control a lot more. I used to work for an, e- uh, we used to, an agency that built e-commerce sites and yeah. like we would literally have <laughs> it was jsps but we literally have like tracking pixels.jsp and, like, <laughs> and it was uh, probably a ton of them it was like, like no, tons because all these kinds of like yeah we want all these tracking pixels because yeah. that's all they care about e- exactly like well and this like i think i i've run into the past aside from a security issue just like going on a bit of a tangent on that but is people having those pixels i've actually had some of the javascript fuck up the page of like our application and that sucks like you're like tracing this like bug and you're like oh shit it was literally due because of this pixel that i had no idea and it wasn't like that yesterday but oh wait they pushed some new code and because it's outside of your code base you have no idea so i think but if you sandbox it, it it doesn't affect your rendering which is great it might not work but that's okay that's on them yeah as much as i I like dislike iframes for all the reasons that they yeah. were used like incorrectly or like they were this default thing a while ago in, in web dev and then you're like, ugh, gross, don't use those. But there are really good that This that, is a great use case. That's a good for use it. case. Yeah. And you know, Bitbucket has that use case. Yeah. We have like marketplace, we have people that build add-ons. Yeah. The, the add-ons are being built by somebody you, you don't know. Like maybe you need to sandbox that. And the only option that I can think of these days is is an iframe like you to isolate it in a browser i think that's your only option i mean maybe there's something i'm not thinking about but i think that's the best way it's simple and it works and i think that's another reason why you might want to use it yeah at the end of each episode we like to share pics of things that we have found interesting and would like to share let's go around the table and share today's pics 
Stacy, what do you have? Per usual, I don't have picks that are related at all to the topic that we've <laughs> but discussed. But we have a music pick? <laughs> but I have a related awesome. music pick. I like to, like, I'm going to diverge even more. Oh, right on. Um, let's see. So I have yeah, <laughs> two picks. Um, so I just got back from uh, a week-long trip to Lisbon in Portugal, and it was fantastic. Um, I, I definitely re- recommend uh, traveling to there if you haven't if it's not on your list i think you should put it on your list um i thought the one of the most interesting things about it was that it felt like uh, a little bit of like an alternative san francisco or like san francisco is they're like bizarro world lisbon and and back and forth because they have like similar climates and they have trolleys and the trolleys are from like imported from the u.s and there's it's hilly and they had an earthquake a long time ago and they're due for another one and (laughs) portugal's been having really bad fires and so has california so it's like this um uh there's a bridge there that was designed that looks like the golden gate bridge but it was designed by the same person that designed the bay bridge Wow. Which is super weird. Yeah, that is super weird. So, like, there's just all these moments where, like, am I in San Francisco? But it's, like, not quite. It's, like, an older version of it. Even some of your photos and everything, there's a hint of that culture and some of the artwork and everything, like the street art. Yep. Like, I could see that. A lot of really cool street art. So, anyway, that's my that's my first pick. A really good time there. And then a second pick is not a song, but a book about music. Um, on my trip, I read, I finished a book called uh, Girl in a Band by Kim Gordon, who's from Sonic Youth. Um, so if that was a part of kind of your your history of listening uh, to music, there's a lot of really great stories in there about like New York, early days music in New York, um, the beginning of grunge. There's stories about Nirvana and Courtney Love from Hole and all, all of that is, you know, encompassed in this book. And it's just kind of a fascinating uh, inside take on on the music industry that's awesome that sounds super interesting uh this week i have two picks the first one is puppeteer it is a api to control chrome headless so we can run uh browser tests performance tests things like that but all in chrome headless which is good because phantom js used to be the standard but hasn't really made much progress uh and chrome has so it's an awesome library and it's by the google team so it really works well Second pick is Stranger Things. So by the time this episode comes out, everybody will probably have finished it long, long ago, but uh, I'm still watching it. It's pretty good. I'm slowly getting through it. I'm really slow. Slowly going through it. I haven't started yet, so. Everybody's going to talk about it. I know, I know. It's so good. good. Derek, what do you have? I have three. One is related. (laughs) All right, we got got a security pick. That's good. Um, So uh, to solve all of Stacey's problems um, with the, the... Authenticating. So Let's Encrypt is is kind of what's behind this pick. That's the open source uh, Linux, I think, um, uh, SSL certificate that came up with this free certificate that um, was the first to, first to be free. But anyway, so this application I, I actually found out about through Gems DevOps um, uh, friend and master's course. It's called Certbot, um, and it's 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 super easy to set up. You just select your if you have like your own server, you just select your operating system and um, and they give you all the commands to run, and then it automatically it sets up a cron job, so it automatically renews everything for you. So you just do it once, and you never have to worry about it again. Um, and it's open source too, so it's uh, it's pretty cool. I started it, and I haven't had those annoying emails that say you need to renew your certificate. My second pick. So I just recently got back from Japan. I think this is the first episode I've been on since I've been back. So one of the uh, we did so much so many things there that were that were a ton of fun. But one of the things that I've tried for the first time was um, Airbnb experiences. So I kind of always like 
just I'd known about it, but not really looked into too, too much. But uh, we did one of the fish market in uh, Tokyo, and it was such an awesome experience. And there's so many. Um, there's actually some even in San Francisco that I thought it might be fun to try. But I mean, it's like I said first, I thought it was like some weird like tour that you do with some random stranger but it's just it's it's there's so many different opportunities you can even like go bar hopping with uh with like a uh you know somebody that's local you know so um there's lots of cool things to try uh and then my third pick is um this thing called drip drop um that i've been like obsessed with lately (laughs) and uh it's it was i found it on some uh thrillist article about it being like military grade uh, strength hangover remedy (laughs) 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 and so it's basically pedialyte if you're familiar with that which is like (laughs) what they give to babies that are dehydrated and since i'm an adult baby that gets dehydrated like every friday and saturday night this is perfect um but it every time i take it as long as you can remember to take it at night before you go to sleep i have felt like a million dollars the next morning wow so I mean, it makes sense if it does help with hydration. That's usually what the problem is with your alcohol. Yeah, even after Fernet shots, it works. There you (laughs) go. It's a true test. Fernet shots, man. (laughs) I have troubles getting those down, so... uh, (laughs) Drip drop won't help with that. No, it won't help with that. Nothing will help help with the taste of Fernet. It's so gross. What I think I should do is have drip drop vodka drinks, because then you're just... You're just drinking the whole time. You're yeah, good. yeah, and you're getting is constantly there a limit rehydrated. How many we can drink here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I have two picks, both actually not security related at all. One is actually something that I created a while ago, which is called the Engineering Manager Resources, uh, which is just a GitHub links page that I created a while ago, and has a bunch of great resources of books, articles podcasts, newsletters, things that are useful for engineering managers. I think, to be honest, it is useful for anyone to really like manage projects and uh, things like that. Definitely got a lot of people adding to it, which is great just recently. So I'm happy to share that as there's even more information that I didn't even have, which is great. And then my second pick is uh, at Netflix this week, we held a JavaScript talks about how we leverage React in our signup flow. Some of my colleagues, Tony Edwards and Jeff Shee, gave really excellent talks on leveraging React. It was live streamed, so talks are recorded and are available on the Netflix UI engineering YouTube account. So that's it for my picks. It's been a while since we've ended the episode with uh, where people can reach and follow you uh let's let's do that stacy where can people get in touch with you sure so i'm on twitter at stacy londoner uh er i am on twitter at jem young you can find me on dairyshark.com slash wp admin <laughs> <laughs> no i'm just kidding i don't use wordpress but you can try or just at dairyshark on twitter and i'm at burgess d ryan on twitter Thank you all for listening to today's episode. Make sure to subscribe to Front End Happy Hour on your podcaster of choice. Follow us on Twitter at FrontEndHH. Any last words? Vulnerability. Vulnerability. Uh, Cheers.